0: This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Panero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania.
1: Oh.
2: Proper here in the the Greek means to stand out, to be conspicuous, to stand out. In other words, Christian godly women and men should be proper, should be attracted by professing godliness with good works. In other words, the godliness, the characters that God has imparted into you as you grow in your faith. See, there's something about that woman. She's simple in the way she and her parents, but there's something beautiful about her and spiritual and it's Godly. me.
0: In our world today, outward physical beauty is very highly prized and sought after. Expensive and beautiful clothes and cosmetics, dangerous procedures, and lavish jewels are all tried in an effort to get attention, love, and praise. Yet, as Pastor Eddie will explain today, what truly makes a woman beautiful is her good, gentle, and faithful soul. Don't focus only on your outward appearance. Strive for a good heart and a faithful walk with the Lord. Well, Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2 as he continues his message, Men and Women in the Church.
2: Wives, your body does not belong to you, it belongs to your husband. In the same way, husbands, your body does not belong to you. It belongs to your wife. That's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 4. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his body, but the wife does. And it's a beautiful picture because we look at authority. Oh, you have to submit to authority. There's something with the attitude of man that we don't like to submit to anything. We hear the word authority. It doesn't matter who has it. We just hate it. And it's the truth. And that's why there's rebellion. That's why Satan rebelled. That's why we become a rebellious culture. Lawlessness is because anything with the word authority, you know, we overlook it and, you know, and and we miss the point. This is a beautiful verse for husbands and wives. It's to say, hey, they're to take care of each other. And so it's important. And I'm speaking to married couples. I'm not talking about unmarried couples, you know. Well, scripture doesn't have anything about boyfriends and girlfriends for your young ones. There's nothing in the scriptures that talks about boyfriends and girlfriends and how you to have a boyfriend or girlfriend. It's courting, it's for marriage. Some people use it as a way, okay, this is the season with this person, next season, and that's it. He's talking about married couples. Ultimately, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, your body belongs to Christ, and it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? In the same way, that marriage that Christ has with the church, our bodies belong to the Lord, and everything we do is to glorify him. So ladies, Gunay, guys, don't call your wife Gunay unless they're Greek. Adorn yourselves for proper adornment on the outside reflects a proper adornment of the heart. There's a proverb, Proverb 31, verse 30. It says, Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. We all know that. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. It's important. And so Paul goes on to say, in modest apparel and propriety and in moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls and costly clothing. So get rid of your jewelry. No, that's not what Paul is saying here. You see, in in, in the city of Ephesus was a wealthy city, very wealthy. And some women would compete against each other for attention and for popularity. They had the money. And so they dressed themselves with expensive clothing, pearls, and jewelry, gold jewelry. And in those days, both Jewish and Greco-Roman moralists ridiculed women who decked themselves out to turn other men's eyes. So in the same way, it's uncomfortable for us or shameful when one dresses in such a way to cause someone else to get their attention in the same way it was back then. But the women would dress themselves so lavishly. They, they they did it just for show. And you know how, it is. you see the celebrities, that's all they do. It's all for show. It's all for show to get attention. Well, I know how to dress. I have the latest fashion, and it's really expensive. And don't you wish you could be like me or have what I have? That's how it was in those days. Now, Braided hair, expensive in and of the self is not wrong. That's not the point Paul is trying to make here. What Paul is trying to say here, come to church in a way that does not bring attention to yourself. Be humble in the way you dress. Be humble in the way you dress. And again, obviously, this was a problem with the early church of Ephesus. If, if it wasn't a problem, Paul would have not mentioned it here. Ultimately, when we come to God, the point is, that's why I love the fact that we could come casually. We could come. Come as you are. Just make sure you have clothes on, but just come. I was raised in a church where, you know, my father did well. He had a business, and we always dressed well. My father was very traditional, and there was a time that I didn't want to dress well because most of the friends I had in church, they didn't have. They wore the same clothes all the time, and I that bothered me that I always dressed well, and they weren't able to dress or have the clothing I had, and I had a problem. And, and, you know, actually, my parents were disciplining me because I didn't want to dress up that way. And I shared with them finally, well, because my two friends, Elliot and Milton, I remember them from the very beginning. Since I was a kid, they're my childhood friends in church. And every time they would look at me, oh, you have nice clothes. Oh, you have nice clothes. And I really felt bad for them. I didn't want to dress up. But we come not to bring attention to ourselves. Because why? God doesn't look at how you dress. And I'm grateful for that. I don't have to wear a collar or a robe. Because I'm just like you. I'm not going to dress better than you and wear a robe, and you're not you're not in a robe. If everybody comes in a robe, then I wear a robe. But we're all the same because God doesn't look at the outside, He looks at the inside, He looks at the heart. That's what he told Samuel in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. He says, For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. By the way, this took place when Samuel was looking for the next king. He was looking for David. He called, bring in all your kids. Uh, the Lord, uh, one of your kids are going to be the next king. I got to anoint them. And he brought up all of them. And then Sam was looking at the most handsomest son he had, tall, beautiful. Oh, he's the one. The Lord said, oh, wait a minute. Samuel, I don't look at man the way you do. I look at the heart. I said, and he said, I'm kind of paraphrasing the story here. He said, is there anyone else here? Don't you have another son? These are not the guys. We have one more. We have one more, and his name is David. He's, in the, he's, he's out taking care of sheep, but he smells like sheep. You're, you're, bring him in. That's the one. Really? The one that smells like sheep? The youngest one? Yes, that's the one. And so God looks at the heart. So dress, coming to the house of God where God is glorified. He looks at the heart. Verse 10, he said, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Now, the word proper here in the, in the Greek means to stand out, to be conspicuous, to stand out. In other words, Christian godly women and men should be proper, should be attracted by professing godliness with good works. In other words, the godliness, the characters that God has imparted into you as you grow in your faith. See, there's something about that woman. She's simple in the way she in her parents but. There's something beautiful about her, and it's spiritual, and it's godly. Peter writes this in his first epistle. He writes this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3-4. to He says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting fine apparel. There's nothing wrong with those things. But he said, Rather, this, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. That's the important thing. Now, we don't have that problem here, thank the Lord. But I've been to many churches where people and there were women who want to bring attention to themselves, even in the way they dress. And they wanted people to notice. They wanted the women to comment on their dress. It's oh, this thing, ah, oh, it's nothing. And I've witnessed this. But this is, not what, this is not how we should come to the church. It's not with these lavish things. It's to come. It's, it's what's in the inside. And so the issue is not about fancy, expensive clothing, but the heart. Now here where it gets even more, so I just want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody. <laughs> and again, it became controversial not so much because of the spirit. This is the inspired word of God. This is what we're reading it. And this is why we're studying it verse by verse. We're looking at the words, some words in Greek, okay? He said, verse 11, let a woman learn in silence. Let a woman learn in silence. Right off the bat, if he was there, boy, the apostle Paul, such a male chauvinist. He wasn't in the spirit of God when he wrote this. Yes, he was. Some would like to downplay it, make it fit to today's culture, or ignore it completely. But remember, Paul is speaking out of the authority given to him as he began his letter to Timothy. I speak with the authority of God. It's in the Bible. This wasn't a problem years ago. It's a problem as of lately, the turn of the century. This wasn't this is not a problem in the Middle East. It's a problem in, in Western culture. And I think the best way to understand how before we continue on is to get a little background of what's taking place here when Paul wrote this. Let's look at the background. I think it will be very helpful. Now, in ancient Judaism, there was a place called Bet Midrash. Bet Midrash. So they would go to the Bet Midrash, and it's called the House of Study or the House of Learning. If you've been to Israel, those of you who have been to Israel, went to Capernaum. Uh, there is a temple there, and they are considered that the bet Midrash because the way it was structured. This is a place where they would go to study, learn, and interpret the Torah. The first five books of, of the Bible. The first five books written by Moses. They would study Torah in this place, and... You know, sometimes it's connected to the um, to the synagogue, but most of the time they're considered the same. But they would go to the bet midrash. But during that time, and you can see it still uh, today, uh, most Jews ha- are, are have the bet midrash, a place where they study and learn the Torah. But since ancient times, even up to today, women were not allowed in that room. Women were not allowed to study the scriptures. They weren't allowed to be there. Many of them didn't want to even teach. They said, you're not to learn the Torah. And so that was, we're talking about thousands of years. We're talking about ancient Judaism and custom from the very beginning. This is the way it was set. So this is the background. I'm giving you the background, even probably going back before when Paul wrote this letter to Timothy. Now we look at the temple. And in the temple, we find that there were sections where Gentiles were allowed to be but couldn't pass through. The same thing with the court of women. Gentiles were allowed in the court of women. Only uh, female Jews were allowed there. But then there was a place where the women couldn't pass through. That was the holies and then the holies of holies. And they weren't allowed. They had the court of Israel, which were only the men. And when they were worshiping a temple, that's how it was when they worshiped in the, the court. There was a balcony, and you can see that when you go to Israel and some of the places where they have excavated churches and temple, you find that there were places where there was a balcony where the women were only allowed to observe the worship. They were to worship, but they weren't allowed to be where the men were. So studying in ancient Judaism... Studying the Bible, women weren't allowed to be in the room and talk about the Bible, or I will not say the Bible, Torah, the scriptures, and even worship. There was limitations in how much women could be a part of worship, and that was in the temple. However, however because of Jesus Christ, through the apostle, Christianity became the great liberator of women when it comes to worshiping God together. It was Christianity that had included women in the fellowship, in the gathering, in assembly to worship God together, both men and women. The birth of the church of Jesus Christ in the book of Acts was not birth in a temple, any structure, or synagogue. It was, again, it was birth in a residential place in the upper room. And in the upper room, it tells us in uh, Acts chapter 1, in the day of Pentecost, in verses 13 to 14, it says this: And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying: Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealous, and Judas, the son of James. Not Judas, the Judas, another Judas, the son of James. This is the, the the 12 disciples. These all include, these, these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication. And here it is, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with other brothers. The birth of the church of Jesus Christ included both men and women. The scripture tells us a total of 120 in the upper room. The Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, Upon the church, and the church was birthed out almost 2,000 years ago. So, Christianity was the great liberator of women when it came to gathering in to the gathering with, with the men in worship. So, if you picture this, it was because of Jesus Christ. If you read the scriptures, it tells us that when Jesus was crucified, the veil in the temple that separated the holies and the holy of holies, the veil that, that only the priest could go in once a year, that veil was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, because of Jesus Christ, there is no court. There is no place where a woman can not be in a church. And that's in together in the fellowship. So the, 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 there's no men's court. There's no women's court. They come together to praise God. So now that is the background. So what happens? So there is no longer, you know, just men learning the Bible and teaching the Bible. Is now both men and women together studying the word of God. They learn the word of God together. Now, here's the new church. This is a new concept. It's never been done. Those that were converted from Judaism to Christianity, the women who are so used to you know worshiping God on a balcony or not able to go in a place, and not even to have the scriptures before them to open up. Can you imagine? This is new. This is new with the early church. Women are actually holding the scrolls, and wow, this is what you guys have been doing. So you weren't bowling. Okay, some of you got it. You were studying the word of God, and they're able now to study together. So this was a new concept, and it broke uh, both religious and cultural barriers. However, Apparently, there were, at the church of Ephesus, there were women there that were abusing their found freedom in Christ. They continued to, to dress like the world was dressing, lavishly, coming into the church. Oh, I'm going to church. Oh, I'm going to wear that expensive dress. And then you, so Paul is saying, listen, don't, that's not, we don't come for that. That's distraction. That, that's going to distract everyone else. We can't come to the church that way. You know, your husband always stinks a smell, and you always tell him to take a shower and take dress? He went to, he went to learn Torah that way. You come that way. No, not, I'm not saying, don't take. It, please bathe yourself. But, you know, now it's not about dressing. So they were abusing their newfound freedom in Christ. They started to interrupt the service, if you will. If it wasn't an issue, Paul would not address it. The same thing you'll find in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The same problem was in Corinth, and Paul had to address that as well. Don't come with braided hair. Just, you know, women learn in silence. The reason is women always have more questions than men. I grew up, I remember when growing up in school, the girls always had A's. Guys, uh, if we do, you know, we're close. We'll probably get a, a B or a C, if anything. Women love to learn. That's not to say men don't, but most women do. Women, when they come in Bible studies, how many times? Come on, Lee, let's be honest. How many times you get into a Bible study and you get off track with emotions? And now you want a counseling session in the middle of a Bible study. Come on, you know it's true. Because guys are just facts. Give me facts. Give me facts. Give me facts. You know? Women, okay, facts. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. You read a verse and he said, oh, my late husband. Oh, my children. Oh, please. And then you get off, okay, let us study the Bible now. (laughs) That was the case. Same as it is today, it was then, and Paul was just trying to bring order with that. Though men and women are now learning in the new church, however, God still has an order. God is a God of order, and that has not changed. Our culture has changed, but that doesn't change. Okay? So, Paul said, ladies, while you gather together in the house of God, learning the scriptures, number one, women learn in silence. Now, this word silent means peaceable, tranquil. It does not mean to be quiet and shut up and say nothing. Though there are religions and and cults that are like that. Where women are not allowed to say anything, they're still not allowed to uh, worship with men in in the sanctuary. They can't say nothing. And there were so many rules in ancient times for women, it was unbelievable. But that's not what Paul is saying here. He's saying to learn peaceably. Let's not get emotional here, ladies. Let's learn silently. And here's another word which probably makes everybody feel uncomfortable, even men, with all submission. Submission, with all submission. This doesn't mean that women are to submit to all men in the church. That's not what they're saying here. Because Paul tells us in Ephesus chapter 5, verse 22, he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And that's as to the Lord. So if your husband would tell you something, You know, honey, uh, things are getting bad. we got to go Christmas shopping. We're going to use the five-figure discount. That's another word. In the city, five-figure discount. Stealing. Okay, now you get it? All right, some of you got it. <laughs> Well, he said, no, I'm sorry, honey, we're not going to lie. We're not going to lie. I'll submit to you according to the word of God, as to the Lord. But it's not talking to submit to all men. Women, you have to submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Here, Paul is speaking about learning in the church in all submission, submitting to the teachers and the teachers, uh, the, the leadership and what they teach, the position of leadership in the church and the teaching. We'll see that as we unfold. And we'll get to chapter 3. When we get to chapter 3, we're going to see the qualifications of a leader in a church. And I give you a heads up. You can see where this is going. There's only men. And you may say, well, how come? You know, yeah, because they haven't read the Bible. You tell God he had it wrong for the beginning.
0: The book of 1 Timothy is encouraging and inspiring from one well-seasoned missionary to another. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, spurring a younger pastor on to great things. Isn't it great to live life in community with others so that you can mutually encourage others you're walking alongside? Even though Paul and Timothy weren't in the same area very often, these letters kept them united in the cause of Christ. We hope that you have this type of uniting with other believers. If you don't, we'd like you to know how to connect with us here. Go to our website at runningtheraceradio.com to learn more about the church that supports this ministry. At Calvary Chapel of Milford, we'd love to meet you this weekend and join with you in being part of a church family. Worshiping God and studying His Word together is something that should be done in community. To find out more, once again... Our website is runningtheraceradio.com. We pray that Pastor Eddie's message on running the race has been helpful for you today. We'd like you to know that we pray for you regularly here at Running the Race, and we're so glad you're one of our listeners. If you'd like to hear this message again, you can find it at runningtheraceradio.com. While you're there, feel free to listen to other messages from this series or download them to take with you on the go. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. That's all we have for today. But join us again for more as Pastor Eddie teaches from 1 Timothy on Running the Race.